0: This talk is supported by SmallPDF, the successful Swiss scale-up making PDF easy for over a billion people around the world since 2013. You may remember them from a previous podcast we hosted with their CEO, Dennis Just. Their mission is to make PDFs and life easy for people across the world, a mission made possible with their 90-plus amazing employees across Zurich, Belgrade, and Barcelona. If you want to join this fast-growing Swiss scale-up, visit smallpdf.com. Forward slash Swisspreneur and apply. He said, Look, we do a test episode, you interview me, sort of as a handover, exactly what we are doing now to a certain degree. And then we show it to Allah, and if he likes it, then you can continue. Of course, also if you like it. And if not, it was just one hour of our time. That's it. I said, sure, let's let's do it. I mean there's nothing to lose, right? Let's let's jump.
1: Welcome to the Swisspreneur Show, a podcast about startup stories and learnings from experienced entrepreneurs. Here's your host, Sylvan. Hi, Sylvan. Welcome to your show.
0: To, to my own show. Yeah, <laughs> yes. it's, a bit, it's a bit weird to be on the other side, but uh, I'm really glad that you're here today. And Thank you. I quickly want to introduce you. You basically have Indian roots, you grew up in the United States and you are living in Switzerland for three years, and of course your name is Ansuya, so I'm really glad that you're here today and that you do the interview with me because you might do a few more episodes for the Swisspreneur Show in the future, we're really excited about that.
1: Yes, so let's see how this one goes, <laughs> but thanks uh, Silvan for this opportunity. Um, just to quickly introduce myself, um, as Silvan said, Uh, You know, I've lived in multiple cities across three continents and three countries. I come with a computer science background. Previously, I was working in Silicon Valley, and then circumstances brought me here to Zurich. And also, we share a mutual love for entrepreneurship, um, which um, led me to start my company two years ago. And uh, yeah, circumstances also brought us to meet each other. And I'm really glad to be here today to try this out. For the first time.
0: I think that's the perfect background that we could have asked for, for any potential Swisspreneur podcast host.
1: Well, thank you. Let's see if I can do as good of a job. Absolutely. <laughs> so today we have Selvan, um, you know, which is interesting because he's been doing over 200 interviews so far uh, for Swisspreneur and um, he's the host and managing director here. He's also the enterprise account director at Touch and co-founder and former CEO of jim hopper so how does it feel to be sitting on the other side of the table today
0: to be honest it's much brighter than i expected so all the lights here and it's a bit weird because i usually enjoy asking the questions and not being in the spotlight myself so i'm probably m- more nervous than interviewing you know our top well-known famous guest but uh also a bit excited so i'm curious to see what turns out with this episode
1: Well, I mean, since you've, you know, had so much experience doing this with so many people, I think the best question to start with is, uh, what was the most inspiring interview you've done so far?
0: Well, there's not one interview, obviously. Um, It's really difficult to pick one. But I think there were like two key lessons that have been shared over and over again. The first one was really like, people often started solving their own problems and then built a company around that. Mm -hmm. I think that's very powerful because we often hear There are always challenges when it comes to entrepreneurship, but if you have your own intrinsic motivation, you solve a problem for yourself, that's the stuff that keeps you going in tough times. Mm -hmm. So that's number one. And number two is basically the timing. So very often we think, you know, there's an overnight success, uh, et cetera. And the timing is basically something that you cannot influence as an entrepreneur, but you can try to understand how are the markets shifting? How is the world changing? And where do you stand in that regard? I think it was in the very first episode with Ala, the founder of Swisspreneur, yeah. where he talked about the analogy of serving a wave and basically thinking about that when it comes to timing for your startup. And I think that's crucial and often overlooked.
1: OK, well, we're going to dive into your story to see, you know, how you navigated all these uncertain times and uh, all the things that you've done over the years. And uh, I'm sure listeners will be happy to learn from your story today. So let's get started. Let's find out. Yeah. Yes. Uh, So you grew up in the Emmental Valley in Switzerland and your parents were wets. Um, So it must be, you know, unlikely for them that you went on to study business (laughs) administration. So what influenced this choice?
0: Well, there's quite some stuff. If you ask my parents, you know, back in the days when, when they were sort of also babysitting us, but we very often were actually going with them to work. So I then spent a lot of time with my dad in, in his car. He, he basically drove from farm to farm, took care of the cows there. And for me, it was very clear early on. I always preferred to play with the radio or with the technical stuff in mm-hmm. his car than going out and spending time with the animals. Mm-hmm. It just has always been that way. So for me, it was very natural. Well, I'm probably not going to become a, a vet myself. My sister was the complete opposite. For her, she couldn't get enough. So whenever there was a phone call late at night, she ran to my parents' bedroom and asked, you have an emergency? Can I come with you? And I was like, just let me sleep. I want to do my my technical stuff. So it was very clear mm-hmm. veterinary practice. That's probably not going to be my path. Mm-hmm. And then I always loved doing stuff or organizing stuff. Already very early on with like our neighbor kids, where I grew up in the Emmental Valley. But then the first really big point of of touch with entrepreneurship was basically during high school. So there we were participating in the YES, the Young Enterprise Switzerland project, and basically founded a company, not legally, but just as that project. Mm-hmm. For one year, we imported a cell phone holder from China, sold that in Switzerland. We did write a business plan and all of that stuff. We also had, of course, a lot of internal discussions and marketing activities to take care of, et cetera. And that was really the first time when I realized well, this is actually a lot of fun. I really enjoy doing that. And that's also then one of the reasons that led me to go to business school afterwards.
1: Okay. So that you would say like kickstart your sort of quest for entrepreneurship.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Because
1: I was going to ask, like, since you mentioned you you were really interested in the technicality of things, why not go in like a computer science field? But I guess... It's a good
0: question. I I always loved computers and playing Mm -hmm. around with computers. So I even did like a lot of hardware stuff. So I always received the old computers from the business of my parents and basically built something new out of them. Yeah. So I was really fascinated in that computer stuff, but I never learned to code. Okay. Maybe something went wrong there, I don't know. <laughs> but for me, it was always more about then doing projects, You know, working with great people, getting mm-hmm. stuff out there and really moving the needle forward. That was like my core motivation. And therefore, business seemed to be a better fit for me mainly because I couldn't program, but also because that was more like, uh, it felt like a a better fit for me.
1: Okay. Well, you said that you started, uh, you know, your journey already in high school, right? And that's like founding, you know, your business. Also, I know with Jim Hopper at such a young age is is very rare. So... I want to know more, like, what was your parents' reaction to these daring life choices, <laughs> you know, you were making? Because they're, they're, like, working on the farm, they're working with animals, and then they yeah. see this guy going out there, forming a business, you know, in high school already.
0: So already, like, going to business school, because I didn't go to business school to nearby where I live, but right. actually in the eastern part, to mm-hmm. San Cullen. So I also lived there uh, during the week. So that was already the first step, basically, where my right. then my dad called my my aunt, whose daughter actually already went there before, yeah. and then they are like, "Is this a good path? you would I recommend that?" So he did his due diligence, right okay. But then my parents, when it was about the time of Jim Hopper, um of course, they were f- sort of like, "You just finished your bachelor's degree, uh, now it's okay, but you have to do your master's degree one day." So we had these endless discussions right for them. My studies were not done before I actually finished my master's degree, which I eventually never did afterwards. But that was always their take. Like, it's okay. You can work on your startup. Mm -hmm. It's maybe not ideal. You should do something real, you know, like get a real proper job. You should also finish your your studies and do your master's. But it was okay that I did that. And then I think my tactic was always like, yeah, maybe I will do it later, maybe next year, to always hold them on like a bit longer. (laughs) And then at one point I tell them that that's it. I'm not going to do it anymore.
1: And they were like, yeah, I mean, anyway, you have you've figured, it seems like you're figuring things out. So they, they were more easy about it.
0: Sort of. I, I think it took him quite some time okay. to get used to that. And they also felt like, well, what if he's like not finding his way? What mm-hmm. if he gets lost along the way? But for them, it was always important that I was able to finance my, my life on my own, mm-hmm. that I can stand on my own feet, as we would say in German. And uh, basically, that was always their top priority. And although I, I you know, pay myself a very low salary for the mm-hmm. early Chimhopper days, um, somehow it worked out. And I think that then also gave them the confidence to say, well, if he mm-hmm. wants to do that, it's working within what we had envisioned for him. Um, that's going to be fine.
1: Well, excellent. I mean, it all seemed to have worked out, so I'm sure they're proud.
0: <laughs> I, I'm actually very lucky that they never put any pressure on me or my mm-hmm. sister to take over their business because that would like be a, a logical yeah. next step. They never did that. That's good. And I think that's that would good. have been a, a huge yeah. ingredient for unhappiness. So I'm very thankful for that.
1: Okay. Well, I mean, you started already, right, in 2015 with Jim Hopper. So how, how did that idea come about?
0: So it was basically my own problem. <laughs> Fun <laughs> fact.
1: Well, that's, the, that's like the best kind of business.
0: Yeah, you? exactly. Yeah. Um, so for me, I, you know, I studied in St. in the eastern part, traveled there once a week. And then on the weekends, I always went back to my parents' place. Mm-hmm. And I had my gym membership and I loved hitting the gym. I loved working out. And with that membership, I was not able to train anywhere else except in my small hometown, right? Mm-hmm. But I was visiting people and friends in Bern, in Zurich, and of course, also in St. Cullen, where I studied. So I wished that there was an easy option to actually be able to train in all these locations without having to purchase a second or even a third gym membership. So I then I thought like, okay, there are the gym chains, but very often they don't like to to have a lot of free weights or people training the way that I wanted to train. So then basically the idea came up like, why not connecting the independent gyms and basically creating an offering exactly for the need that I had myself to to then make that possible.
1: Okay. And then what was like the first pivotal thing that got this idea off the ground? Like what did you have to do? Like the first major? Right. Yeah. So
0: the first thing was actually, we then came into a, a course in, in university where he said it was actually an entrepreneurship course. Mm-hmm. So then we said, we want to work on this idea. And then you then had to write a business plan, do your own market research, and then also do a final presentation. So that's basically how we then started and how we also were actually able to invest time into that business idea besides our studies. And the, the first idea was, of course, completely different to what it then looked like later down the road. Yeah. We actually wanted to build a platform where you could buy single entry tickets, like day passes for chimps because we saw a similar concept in the US and we thought, oh, this would actually be a, a good solution to the problem that that I'm facing.
1: Mm-hmm. And when you say we, so like who was on the team? How did you meet uh, Louis, who's, who was your co-founder? Exactly. Yeah, Louis was
0: my co-founder. Okay, um, we actually met in the Young Entrepreneurs Club. Mm-hmm. So that was a, a club where I was the president of to push entrepreneurship forward at the university. Mm-hmm. Because you know, Haaske, the university was still very much about banking and you know, consulting, all that's the great. traditional stuff, I also almost you know, felt like, okay, that's probably going to be the path that I'm taking. But then I, I, I saw this Young Entrepreneurs Club and was then able to to uh, lead that initiative. And that's where we basically first met and then also sort of had this idea like we both wanted to do a startup mm-hmm. company, then also pretty much rushed into things. At the beginning, there was also a third co-founder, Tamara, for this B2C approach. Mm-hmm. But then later down the road, when we pivoted to a more B2B focus, she then uh, dropped out because she really was focused on the B2C marketing part.
1: Okay. I mean, uh, you know, also having faced this myself, like finding the right co founder is like one of the toughest things to yeah. do. It's like, you know, finding a life partner like in a marriage. Um, right. So, what advice would you, you know, give to our listeners to how to go about this?
0: It's tough uh, because it also, we will probably talk about that later down the yeah. road. I did not make the best decisions there. Okay. So Louie and I, we didn't really know each other for that long. So we didn't really have a past. We were not really friends before. Mm-hmm. We worked together in the Young Entrepreneurs Club, but that was basically it. We never like went out for drinks or did a lot of sports mm-hmm. or anything like that together. So I think if you, if you share a common history, you know each other for years and you know how the other person ticks. I think that's a perfect starting point. And therefore, university is actually great because if you have your people that you know from mm-hmm. university... You've worked with them on different projects, they became good friends. You also know each other socially, so you know more about the person than just the the business stuff. I think that's a way better starting point. And then there are just two things, I guess. Um, It's first about shared values. So you need to be very specific and clear about what is important to you, that you can also define those values and and write them down and make sure that you're actually aligned. But then also having complementary skill sets that you both have different areas that you can excel in to then actually make the startup happen. So you need someone who can actually Mm -hmm. build the product. That was certainly not me because no coding experience. And you need to have someone who can actually sell it to then acquire customers.
1: Okay, so then was it Louis or who was it? Like your CTO, Uh, you went on to look for one, Uh, you even went on to Lisbon to get your development team going. So how was that process like?
0: So, yeah, basically, Louis and I, we started then together, right? Yeah. He could code a bit. Um, it's hard for me to judge how good or how how bad, but he mm-hmm. was also in business school, basically, so we had more of an overlap when it came to the skill set. Um, but then we basically said, okay, we do need a technical person to actually build the app. At first, we then worked with an agency in, in Pakistan, basically, because there was a former co-student that was running that agency. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was okay for a prototype, but not for a real, you know, a real business product to use afterwards. So that's why we then decided through a contact of Louis, a Portuguese guy who lived in Switzerland, recommended us to a friend of his Mm -hmm. in Lisbon. And we then hired him as a CTO after we closed our initial seed funding round to then really build the product and say, now we want to do that the right way. We want to build it from scratch and we want to build it in-house because we need that technical capability. And I think that was an excellent call.
1: Okay. So, so far in this journey, like. Was there any point where you were like, oh shit, I should have done this differently or you gr- regretted what was going on or everything was moving smoothly? L- not, not
0: smoothly. I mean, there were many <laughs> obstacles a- uh, along the way. Um, the first one was really when we then tried to onboard the the chimps for the first model, you know, with the day passes. Mm-hmm. I called them. I never did co calling before, right? So I had right. no experience. And then basically I, I called those chimps and most of them said like, stop calling me. Don't waste my time. I don't understand what you want from me. So it was really difficult even though it was completely free of charge for the chimps to join to get just one chim on board i think i called like 50 chimps and only one said after a lot of talk and negotiations yeah we're going to participate in that and that's when i realized this model is not going to work okay so what we did then is we said okay this is not working and then you can either say okay we tried we're going to stop let's go back to the university and study your on your master's degree yeah but then we picked the, the car of my parents and said, Louie and I, over the summer break, instead of going for a summer job, we mm-hmm. want to drive from gym to gym and ask them for feedback. And there, of course, the, the student role helped a lot. We said, you know, we're students, we have an idea, we want to pick your brain as the expert to the gym mm-hmm. owners. And they, of course, will meet with us for a coffee or for a drink to then just talk about that. Mm-hmm. And then we learned that day passes are such a small thing when it comes to the overall revenue percentage basically completely irrelevant to the Swiss gyms, that they just don't care about that. So we learned day passes, n- never going to work. When if we want to make this work, we have to tie it to the annual membership, because that's the core business of every Swiss chim. Mm-hmm. They want to sell, sell their annual chim mem- memberships, right? Right. So then we learned, well, we could actually ask for money from the gyms right. and offer the network the exchange free of charge on top of their existing membership because then we could help them to sell more memberships and also keep their existing members for longer at their own gym so that they don't churn. Mm-hmm. Then we sort of pivoted and we always pitched a slightly different idea for every meeting that we did because of the stuff that we learned along the way. And then at a the certain point in time it was at the gym here nearby in Zurich. The guy then said like, guys, I really love the idea. Where can I sign up? Okay, How much does it cost? And then we were like, well, we are just, you know, gathering feedback. We have no contracts or anything. But then we knew this might actually work. And then we, you know, started to mm-hmm. create contracts, like pre-contracts, basically no risk if we never start. But if we start, you have to pay. Right. And then we sort of had the, this, these learnings. We had right. a model that seemed to be working. And we had the first contracts. And then with that stuff in our backpacks, we basically went to business angels to get some money to actually finance and build mm-hmm. the whole thing.
1: So that was like hitting the nail on the head, getting the ball rolling. So understanding both sides of the marketplace, right? Also how, what is important for the gyms, but as well for the customers. Exactly. Awesome. So, I mean, at this point, like your company was growing um, and your business was making profits as well, right? In Switzerland, more or less? Well, later (laughs) down the road, yes, we were profitable, but at
0: at the beginning, of course not. Okay, of course
1: not. Uh, But then... Once, I mean, when you later down the road started making profits, what what made you decide to sell?
0: Well, that's a, yeah, that's a big story. So we then actually, we had a very fast track to success in Switzerland. So Mm -hmm. after six months, we basically were the biggest network here, bigger than any chain. And our investors, the business angels, they were super happy. They said, wow, this thing is like a rocket ship. It's working. Let's go international. Let's make it really big and build the biggest network in Europe. We were very enthusiastic about that because then they said, here... Let's do another fundraising round. Mm-hmm. Now we go international. We did that. And then we had to learn the hard way that the model that we were building up here in Switzerland was actually a Swiss specific model and did not work the same abroad. Mm-hmm. Why? Because here, as I mentioned, we have the annual memberships. However, abroad, due to other laws, usually you have a monthly membership that you can also cancel on a monthly basis. Mm-hmm. So if a, a gym goer needs more flexibility, they're just going to switch to a chain and cancel their membership, right? So there was a much lower demand for what we had to offer of Chimhopper. And therefore, it was not only more costly, but also way harder to actually acquire chimps. We then did build parts of Denmark and Austria as a next network, but it never really started to fly there. So then we had to think, okay, what are we going to do? Because we had the biggest Swiss network, but the international expansion is not working. So that was basically the whole part of our story when then eventually a U.S. competitor or someone would actually buy us due to mm-hmm. the network that we built, but Switzerland alone would be way too small. So then we said, we we do want to focus on, on the Swiss market and actually switch and also add an additional income stream, basically corporate fitness, so that companies could purchase a membership for their employees, then let them train at all of our network partners. And that's eventually what we did. And then this attracted MyClubs, the mm-hmm. Austrian company, Um, Because they also wanted to expand their corporate fitness offering in Switzerland, but they were only focusing on the big cities and not the overall country as we did. And therefore, they needed a network and also someone who knew the local market who already did that to a certain degree. And then we were in talks and then that was like the logical next step. Us not having the perspective of building an international business, them needing a strong network and partner to actually execute Mm -hmm. that. And then it was just sort of a natural thing. I think we were very lucky there. Be- because it's also like the the future outlook was not that good, right? Like that's yeah. not a case that you want to invest the next 10 years of your life into, right?
1: So th- th- then how did you go on negotiating with them?
0: So there luckily we had one of our investors, He he's an M&A advisor. Okay. So he has a lot of experience. He sold companies like students.ch or also uh, Qumram. Mm-hmm. So he has a lot of experience in that regard and supported us along the journey. Mm-hmm. That was really, really interesting to sort of look over his shoulders and just you know, learn how that stuff works.
1: Okay. And so once Jim Hopper got acquired by MyClubs, um, you still worked there as head of business development for three years, right, till 2021. So how was it like for you then to no longer be the CEO and you know, working in the umbrella of this company?
0: I think it was difficult, um, probably more difficult than I would have admitted myself. In that moment, it was totally fine. It was also exciting at first and also great for me to just, you know, after three years, it felt like sprinting like every day for th- three years straight. It was also good to sort of have a, a break and have less pressure because I didn't have to satisfy the investors and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it was also difficult because, of course, now you have other people who can also make decisions and you might not always agree or you see things differently. And then after two years, that was also then the the first point when i decided to reduce my workload at my clubs to then pursue again other options because i just wanted to have again a more entrepreneurial spirit. for me it was always clear it's great for now it's also part of the deal now it's totally fine but it was also clear that this will not be forever and we all always knew and openly communicated that okay this episode is sponsored by startup nights 2022 on November 3rd and 4th, you'll have the chance to showcase your startup, get inspired, meet investors and network with like-minded peers at the 6th annual edition of Startup Nights in Winterthur. Check out startup-nights.ch to learn more and register for the event.
1: That point where, you know, you, were, you sold uh, Jim Hopper to my clubs, uh, this was in 2018, uh, you also worked as an innovation manager in SVB. You joined the YTILI program, and then you joined Swisspreneur, right? So what was going on that year? Like, why did you try so many things? What were you looking for, you know, that pivotal Good question. year? Yeah.
0: <laughs> so for me, you know, I never worked in the corporate, yeah. and I just had this fear of, well, I, I like doing startups. I love entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. but what if one day I find out that another path would actually have been way more fun or a way better fit for me? Great. So then I just wanted to say, hey, I, I want to give it a try just to get my experience. And that's just the way that I work. I then want to get my hands on it, try things out instead of overthinking stuff. But just go out there and try and learn. And then I learned like it was a great team, um, but also, you know, very corporate. So you can move fast, et cetera. So it was a great experience for a 50% workload for one year. Mm-hmm. But then it was also good for me to say, hey, I tried it. It was It was totally good, but it was not like a game changer or anything of that sort, I'm really in the sweet spot. Because I've never worked before, a a real job before, right? Right after university, I started with Jim Hopper. So Mm -hmm. I never really had a a real full-time job before. And for me, it felt a bit almost like too good to be true because I was so happy doing that. I really thrived along that way, that journey. And I was like, hey, Jim Hopper, like entrepreneurship startups, that's really my thing, like my passion. And sometimes I then just wondered, well, but what if one day I just wake up and this is all like, yeah, not the right fit for me anymore? Right. So I just wanted to have that experience so that I, that I could compare, compare yeah. and that also gave me the confidence that hey, you're on the right path. Don't worry, it's it's gonna be fine.
1: Great. Yeah, yeah it's, I think that's super important, right? Like you don't want to always be wondering what if I had done that or what if I've done this. So right. it's it's good to try out your options and then you know know for sure that this is what you know really fits me. Absolutely. Okay. Cool. And then, I mean, 2018 was also the pivotal year when you discovered Swisspreneur. Yeah. So uh, you might not have joined Swisspreneur if you hadn't met uh, Christian Hirsig. So how did you meet him?
0: Yeah, it's actually a fun story because, you know, with Jim Hopper in the early days, we participated in all these startup programs. And often they then give you a coach who can help you with your company and the beginnings and answer questions and stuff. So Chris was actually our very first coach with Jim Hopper and we, you know, we got along very well and we also became friends afterwards and then I saw that he was doing the interviews, the video interviews for Swisspreneur Mm -hmm. and then one day, you know, once I had a bit more room because the exit was around the corner and I also knew, okay, I'm gonna have a bit more time now, I really loved what he and Alain were doing and I just told him like, hey, now we'll have a bit more time. I love what you guys are doing. Let me know if I can get involved in any way. And he was like, Oh, good timing. I'm actually looking for a replacement.
1: Okay, cool.
0: And then we started the conversation there. Also, okay. talked to Alain. And uh, yeah. So, how
1: was the whole decision making process? Like? like, did you know you wanted to do, be the podcast host?
0: Not at all. No. <laughs> Chris had to push me there. Um okay. first, I said, Hey, I can manage the project, but I yeah. don't want to be on camera or on audio. I don't like want any of this, right? I can right? feel you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then um, first we were looking for someone else to moderate the show. Yeah. And then Chris did like, an interview with him, but there was not like a, a good fit. And then I remember I was in, in you know, the garden of my grandma when he then called me on a Sunday and said, look, I think you should do it. He told me. And I was like, yeah, but I don't feel confident. Like This is just too much. I have no experience. And then he said, look, we do a test episode. You interview me, sort of as a handover, exactly what we're doing now <laughs> to a certain degree. Yes. And then we show it to Allah. And if he likes it, then you can continue. Of course, also if you like it. And if not, it was just one hour of our time. That's it. And I said, sure, let's let's do it. I mean there's nothing to lose, right? Let's let's jump. I'm really thankful for his little push there. Right. There were different moments, you know, also as a coach, whenever he he pushed me a little bit to to go in the right direction. And uh, then we did that interview. I I think it went pretty well, despite not having any experience at all. And I also enjoyed it. And then we said, okay. It it was also a lot of fun for me then, it turned out. And then we took it from there.
1: I mean, you've done a wonderful job, right? Like taking over. I mean, in the past four years now, uh, it started with 16 recorded interviews. And now you're Apple's number one business (laughs) podcast in Switzerland with your own masterclass, coaching program, and syndicate. So what do you attribute the success of Swiss Planeur to? It I mean, escalated this... quickly, right? <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, I mean, for me, it was always clear. It's definitely the the amazing team. So over the past four years, we basically mm-hmm. worked with uh, the exact same team. Of course, we were growing, um, but we work with the exact same team. And we're just a bunch of really cool human beings who share the same values, actually, right. but are also just a very intrinsically motivated to change stuff for the better and to learn. And I mean something I really get like goosebumps when I talk about it. it's so cool. Like I couldn't wish for a better team. It's it's such an amazing team behind whisperer that makes all of that possible.
1: So was that like carefully thought out to get people who fit the culture or was it just happenstance that people just came in?
0: So first, it was more coincidence. Mm-hmm. But it was like, um, you know, Bjorn, for example, I used to work with him at Chimhopper. So we know each other. Lars mm-hmm. was my former roommate. Dominique, who has been with Alan and Chris from the beginning. So even before I joined. Right. And then we basically grew step by step from there. And I think if you really have great, great people at the beginning, the core team, right. it's then very easy to expand from that. Then, of course, also Cecilia. She's the sister of our former CTO at Gym Hopper, right. and she also already worked with us there, then we brought her on board. And that was just like amazing to be able to work with talented and great people that we've worked in the past. And I think like no matter what we're doing, that's always sort of the blueprint. Once you have your crew, once you know your people who share the same values, bring mm-hmm. completely different skills and talents to the table. It doesn't matter what we do. That's just the crew that it's I want to like work with. It's like the golden with. ticket, yeah, right? Exactly.
1: Awesome. So, I mean, last year, or rather, I would say 2020, right? You were working at MyClubs as yeah. well. Then you joined touch which uh, you're also presently working in, uh, which is a PI planning app developer company.
0: Exactly.
1: And you were volunteering at SwissPreneur. So how did you manage your time and energy at that point of time, right? Like juggling all of this?
0: Sometimes it was not easy, but I, I, at least I think that I'm pretty efficient so I can get quite some stuff done in a short amount of time mm-hmm. because I also really enjoy doing it and I try to focus on the stuff where I'm good at and try to leave the others like, you know, you can ask Bjorn, finances, not my strength, <laughs> right? Expense management, not my strength. So I'm very happy to have, Great people in the team who can then take care of that, mm-hmm. but I'm very good at doing like the interviews or doing sales for for B two B enterprise stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's then what I try to focus on because that gives me joy, that gives me energy, and then it's not a big problem for me to also work a lot because I really enjoy doing so.
1: Awesome. Okay. And right now you're the enterprise director, account director at Rent Touch, and you're a salesperson at heart. Do you ever miss running your own venture? <laughs>
0: Well, technically, I thought about that. So technically, I think SwissBurner is basically like a bit of that's a venture true, now. So true. that always feels like that mm-hmm. big time. And at the same time, we also have this structure. So I have a lot of freedom at Rent Touch. So basically, I can plan my, and, and live my day however I want. Um, I'm, I'm also like included in, in important decision-making there mm-hmm. and really can have an influence and can have my calling. So it's not like somebody tells me what to do. I can decide and focus on that so it still feels like although it's not my own company it still feels like that and there of course you know you also have the legal part where you mm-hmm. can actually you know eventually become a shareholder or participate in the employee stock option pool stuff like that to get that feeling that you're also an owner of the company I think that's always very important to me and if if that's a given it's more freedom oriented for me than anything else if that's a given then it's Almost equal to running your own company, right. just with uh, probably a bit less stress.
1: Right. Yeah. So I mean, you have the freedom, you have less stress because of the, some of the responsibilities. So the fulfillment, you know, comes there.
0: Absolutely. Okay. Yeah.
1: Um, you once told me <laughs> that most founders are actually unhappy. Why do you think that is? Oh.
0: <laughs> did i really tell you that
1: <laughs> i mean you can correct me though no no I mean- that's fair
0: <laughs> no but I, I mean like the whole mental health part i mean yeah. i think maybe that was a time when i was talking to many founders right. and many of them were, were stressed out or mm-hmm. didn't really enjoy what they were doing i remember there were also some interviews where they then said well the company grew so big you know i enjoyed the, the early days the fun part but now yeah. i just have to do all that stuff meet with investors, do the reportings. I don't really enjoy it that much. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot of stress out there of being a founder, right? Especially yeah. if you also take on external money um, because then you have many different stakeholders that you need to satisfy. And basically everybody comes with their problems. They come straight to you because you are supposed to help them. But who do you go to with your problems, right? You are basically alone. So it's really a lonely job. Right. And I think there it's really important that you do have a, a strong co-founding, or at least management team to really, you know, do the heavy lifting together and to also support each other to yeah to to make that work and to hopefully also find a good balance that mm-hmm. where you can still be happy. But at the same time, I also think that your ro- roles change and, and evolves, and you have to be also always a bit self-reflective, right? To understand, am I still the right person for that job? I have right. the the biggest respect for people like Maltespuchi from from Taxfix and Small PDF. Mm-hmm. He just stepped down as CEO because he felt, well, now we're at the good point. The the company's thriving. That's actually the ideal moment to leave. It's time to get someone else uh, to replace me as CEO. Mm-hmm. And he marvelously executed on that. And I have the biggest respect for for these people because then they realize where what, what they love doing, what they're good at, might have, you know, not changed, but the role, the requirements, because the company grew so fast yeah. has changed so that they cannot, you know, bring that together anymore, then it's time to find someone else. Okay.
1: So if you had to like pin it down, what would be the three top qualities that you think are important for an entrepreneur to have in their professional life?
0: I mean, being able to sell. You have always to be selling. Okay. The, you're selling yourself. You're yeah. selling your product. You're selling your company to investors. Selling is, is key from okay. my perspective. Then I think you also have... um it's not a real skill, but just to be self-reflective. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's crucial to not only make the right decisions, but also to stay down to earth and approachable for your team, to not have a bad culture or anything, to really you know, also be able to jump over your ego and make the right decision instead of what feels right for you. And then the third one, I think that is often overlooked, you need to be good at taking care of yourself. Because if you don't do that, there will be no company. If, if you die tomorrow because you overworked yourself and you have a heart attack yeah they might uh, ideally there still is a company but probably not the same so i think that's really important too besides everything else
1: okay and what would you say would also be the three important qualities to have as an entrepreneur in your personal life with your personal relations because you know you're busy you're right you're focused on something
0: um, very similar, except mm-hmm. for the selling part, I guess. I, I think <laughs> yes. the self-reflective part yeah. and the taking good care of right. yourself is equally important there. Yeah. Um, something that I often struggle with is just to find a good way to relax and and recover. I think you're much better at this than I am. Um, <laughs> I wish I had that skill to really, you know, just calm down and and clear my mind. Mm-hmm. But this goes a bit into yeah. the same direction of taking good care of yourself, but really understanding how you take what gives you joy and, and really focusing on, on, on these parts, mm-hmm. because yeah, what, what is life without joy and happiness, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah.
1: Wonderful. So your team also describes you to be notoriously sociable, extremely <laughs> extroverted person and together with you and Christian, you probably know half of Switzerland, right? So you're probably the best person to ask, uh, where is the Swiss ecosystem headed?
0: Well, that's a very interesting take because I feel like there's a big momentum developing right now. If you look back a few years, you know, when we were also starting out with Suspener in like, yeah, four or five years ago, there was basically, of course, there were like some companies, more and more companies getting founded. But what we see now is, you know, there's just like Kleinworks raised a 600 million uh, around. Yokoi mm-hmm. raised capital from Sequoia. So now the big US VCs are investing here in Switzerland.
1: Yay. It's
0: crazy, right? <laughs> so there's really this momentum developing. Yeah. And I, I love seeing that because then, and that's what we did with the Swiss startup mafia map, ideally, if you then have an exit or an IPO, that that money will then flow back into the ecosystem to finance the next generation of entrepreneurs. Yes. So with the mafia map, we wanted to see which other startups came out of which mother company, so to speak, And uh, I think that's crucial to measure the health of the ecosystem. And I think there we're on a really good path now, but we also need to make sure that that money is coming back to the ecosystem and not just stays abroad or somewhere else.
1: Yes, totally.
0: So hopefully we'll see more IPOs and more big exits from Swiss companies.
1: Yeah, I hope so too. And where can we find the Mafia map?
0: Uh, Of course, on our website, Swisspreneur.org.
1: Okay, cool. So what's next for you, Silvan?
0: We'll see. I mean, I'm fully (laughs) committed and very excited about the Rentouch journey. Mm -hmm. So there, I think we're in a really sweet position. Um, I'm very enthusiastic about the decisions that we can make over the next few weeks and Mm -hmm. uh, months. And it's just a really great team and a great company to work for. And we also have a lot more ideas with Swisspreneur. So I think having those two as my main focus and nothing else, that's a, a really beneficial relationship. I can learn uh, you know, from SwissBurner, then execute that stuff in my day job at Touch. Mm-hmm. come back with questions and learn more stuff to get better. So it's like a, a very positive cycle.
1: I totally agree. I'm, I'm kind of in a similar situation, right? So I can yeah. completely understand, <laughs> like getting the best of everywhere and making the best use of that information. Absolutely. Awesome. All right. So I would like to ask you recommendations on resources and gadgets that you can... Uh, Tell our listeners about.
0: I'm um, sure. So everybody who met me always looks at my hand and say, "Yes, well, are you married? <laughs> no, I'm not married, but I have a tracking ring, the Aura ring. So for me, this is a really good tool to measure sleep, but to also measure my HRV, the mm-hmm. heart rate variability, to understand how well recovered am I today? Can mm-hmm. I hit the gym really hard or should I take it a bit slow? So that's like my number one gadget recommendation. Okay. Resources. There are many great books. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite ones is from Ben Horowitz the hard thing about hard things because it also shows the difficult the ugly and the challenging side of entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. i think it's really great inspiration to also see what it really means to run a company
1: awesome i will check that one out it's a good one (laughs) all right so now we're moving to our last segment which is a rapid fire questions are you ready for this let's see yeah (laughs) all right zurich or Bern?
0: Fun fact, now Zurich, um, I always, always promoted Bern heavily when I came here and, and moved here about three years ago. Mm-hmm. But now I have to say, Zurich, that's, you know, where I live, where my heart is at the moment. And I think it's just a, a wonderful place. And there's also much more going on startup-wise. So Zurich for now.
1: All right. Working for a startup or running a startup?
0: Both. If the case is interesting enough, both are okay.
1: All right. Being an interviewer or being an entrepreneur?
0: Woo, that's a tough one. But yeah, I would say entrepreneur because you can also be an entrepreneur and then interview people. That's true.
1: <laughs> Following or leading?
0: Depends on the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually I, I do like to lead,
1: yeah. but
0: uh, with a strong team to, to back me up and to, to walk in the same direction.
1: Right. Coke or Pepsi. <laughs> <laughs>
0: At the moment, neither of them. That's true. You but mean. if I had to choose, it's clearly Coke.
1: All right. I'm team Coke, too.
0: Perfect. Pepsi sweet. Pepsi's okay every now and then, but Coke <laughs> is the real stuff. Yes.
1: Jump off a plane or dive deep into the ocean.
0: Oh, definitely the plane. Uh, <laughs> even better helicopter. Really? Yeah. But for me, everything up in the air, thats yeah, I like that stuff. Right. Ocean, not so much.
1: Okay. Your favorite task to do?
0: Sales, yeah. Closing deals.
1: (laughs) Okay. Do you have like some kind of ticker that you use or like a horn you blow every time you make a sale? No, we don't. We don't.
0: (laughs) But I I do like uh, put on some of my favorite music and uh, enjoy the moment a bit. Yeah.
1: Great. Your personal nightmare would be?
0: Losing my health. Yes. Yeah. Because if without health, everything is worthless and you only have one desire, then you just want to get healthy again.
1: Yes, totally. So how was it for you today? Are you now eager to like switch back to being an sure, interviewer? Yeah.
0: I mean, I think you did a fantastic job. Thank I really you. enjoyed the conversation and uh I can't wait to listen to many more of your podcasts on our <laughs> on our channel very soon. And uh yeah, I think it's really great to have you here in our team and uh excited to what, what else we will do and tackle in tackling the future with the amazing Swiss Printer squad.
1: Thank you so much. It was wonderful to speak with you and uh Yeah, thanks for this opportunity. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, you can support us by rating our show on Apple Podcasts. This way, we can reach an ever-growing number of aspiring entrepreneurs.